Hello, language lovers, and welcome to another episode of Love, Joy, and Languages, a podcast about loving languages and finding joy in learning them. If this is your first time to the show, welcome. I'm Heidi, an adult language learner living abroad and sharing the good, the bad, and the ugly of my language journey. And if you've been with me a while, thank you so much for your continued support. A quick note before we get started, in three weeks, I will release the season two finale episode of Love, Joy, and Languages, and it's going to be dedicated to celebrating your language learning wins. So in episode 40, I'm going to share your wins. No matter how big or seemingly small, no matter how recent, I want you all to start thinking about and noticing the amazing progress you're making in your languages. Share those incredible wins with me and I will give you a big shout out in the season finale so we can all celebrate those wins here on the show. So if you want to join those who have already sent me their language learning wins to be included in the season finale, please send me a DM on Instagram or Twitter by Wednesday, February 8th with your proudest achievement. I can't wait to hear your stories and celebrate you and your wins together. Now, moving on to the topic of the day. Today is a very, very special episode because this past week, just a few days ago, I celebrated three years of sobriety, three years without alcohol, and this is really no small feat. Several times on this show, I've mentioned my choice to go alcohol-free, but as much as I'm confident many of you listening are saying, that's awesome, good job, Heidi, others are probably saying, okay, but I'm here to listen to language learning content, right? But this soberversary was a perfect time for me to reflect on these last three years, really dig into all the parts of my life that led to that downward spiral to alcohol addiction, which you'll see parallels my downward spiral of negative thoughts regarding my languages, and joyfully celebrate the things that helped me up out of it. While today's episode is only based on my history of alcohol use and recovery and how that relates to language learning, because it really does for me, I want to give a quick trigger warning for anyone who has a hairy relationship with alcohol or who may be recently sober. Listen with care and prioritize your own mental and emotional wellness over finishing this episode, okay? Also, it's important for me to point out that I don't have an ounce of judgment or anything like that against those who do drink alcohol, so this is definitely not an episode to put down drinking or to try and convince anyone else to change. I'm just here to share my story. As I look back on the last three years, and even the two or so prior to that, I can't help but see similarities between my journey to and through sobriety and my language learning journey. I think all of us can make comparisons between language learning and any other major challenge or life-changing thing we've taken on because the psychology behind facing something difficult, making mistakes, working through limiting beliefs, and being more mindful and accepting of ourselves is pretty much the same. So there's a clear mental connection between my journey to sobriety and my journey to sustainable, holistic, and joyful language learning. And for me, in my personal story, the connection between these two paths is very strong because they overlap by several years and definitely affected each other. I can say for sure that my early experiences learning Italian while living in Italy, along with many, many other aspects of my life and personality, had a strong impact on my self-doubt, which had a strong impact on how much and how often I drank in order to escape the stress and pressure I put on myself, the raw feelings of vulnerability and failure, and so much negative self-talk. And I can say for sure that how much and how often I drank had a strong negative impact on my language learning. Because while I was trying to escape my negative thoughts, 
I also escaped the positive ones and I masked the joy of progress I was making and the pride of what I was accomplishing in my language. And while I was trying to escape all my negative feelings, I also escaped my study time. My ability to focus on language learning greatly diminished with each glass of wine or bottle of beer, which I had started consuming earlier and earlier in the day. And over the course of a couple years, that time spent ignoring the language and also not appreciating or even seeing all the gains and progress I was making really added up. And then the less I studied, the slower my progress. The slower my progress, the harder I was on myself. The harder I was on myself, the more I wanted to escape. And this downward spiral just kept going and of course was intensified by other areas of my life where I felt like I was failing. Parenthood, marriage, grad school, friendships. But I'm here today to celebrate my three years to date journey of digging myself out of this dark hole. And I'm still digging myself out, as you know, because everything I talk about on this show, every language struggle or thought or piece of advice I give comes from a place of being in the struggle and wanting to talk about it. But as I reflected this week on how far I've come toward upward movement out of this all-consuming negative space I had found myself in, I came up with several things that helped me get and stay sober that I also use in language learning. Just like my mental downward spiral toward alcohol addiction negatively impacted my language life, my upward movement to sobriety and healing has had a very positive impact on my language life. I've said before that I think we often partition the various areas of our lives apart from each other, and we miss the opportunity to apply good advice in one area to another area where it could also be useful. So when I started applying sobriety advice to my language learning and language learning advice to my sobriety, it was a game changer for me. And this is a perfect time for me to share my reflections, which really was quite the therapeutic experience for me in preparing these thoughts for this episode. So let's go back to the beginning of sobriety for me. In the first days and months, really, after deciding to give up alcohol, I consumed a ton of content by other women sharing their stories about alcohol and sobriety. And like any other struggle in life, it was comforting to know I wasn't alone and didn't have to pave a brand new path trying to figure things out on my own. One of the hardest things about making the switch to not drinking alcohol was dealing with the voice in my head that tried convincing me that drinking was okay. It told me I could just have one beer, or that I deserved it after a hard day, or that I needed it in order to deal with stress, or kids, or anger, or whatever. And for me, I knew this voice wasn't telling me the whole story, and she didn't have my best interests at heart. And something I came across over and over for how to overcome and silence this voice, that devil on my shoulder, was to give it a name, something that would separate that voice from me to distance my logical brain from my impulsive one. If you've listened to past episodes, then you know that I started calling my inner negative voice Malfoy, and every time negative thoughts, doubts, or peer pressure came to my mind, I said, shut it, Malfoy, sometimes out loud, which was just enough to bring me back to the present moment and allow myself to work through whatever was going on that triggered the negativity and thoughts of drinking, and then decide what to do with those thoughts and feelings that didn't involve grabbing a drink. So Malfoy became the part of me who wanted to drink and wanted to escape, but Malfoy wasn't me, wasn't the part of me I desired to be. And this tactic worked so well for me in avoiding alcohol that when I finally started to notice all the negative thoughts that I spoke to myself about anything and everything else, including language learning, I just started telling Malfoy to shut it in those spaces too. 
In language learning, it's so easy for me to sprint down the rabbit hole of, I'll never get this right. I'm studying so much and making so little progress. I'm really not the kind of person who can learn a language. I'm just embarrassing myself. They probably think I'm an idiot just pretending I speak this language. And it just gets worse from there. Recognizing that I'm on this negative thought train, though, and telling Malfoy to shut it because those are Malfoy's words, not mine, and I would never allow someone else to speak to me that way. This is just enough to stop the negative thoughts, become present in the moment, and consider what was going on at the time the negativity began. What triggered these harsh words? And then decide what to do with that and how to move forward. Sometimes I just need to close the material I'm working with and get a breath of fresh air. Sometimes it's completely leaving a conversation or even taking a pause from the language or the part of the language I'm struggling with. Maybe I just need to talk to myself out loud or write about what I'm struggling with, the doubts I'm having, and how I feel in order to let those feelings pass and get back to a more positive mental space. Sometimes I can't identify what triggered feelings of doubts or stress or overwhelm, so I just need to change up my environment, close the app or book I'm working with, physically leave the room, or do something completely unrelated to languages to get myself out of the triggering space and allow my brain to focus on something else just long enough to feel safe and grounded, to give myself a mental and emotional reset. Whatever I do to move my languages in a positive direction, it's only made possible by halting those negative thoughts, putting them on Malfoy, not myself, and coming back to the present. Just like negative thoughts and a fast downward spiral of doom have happened in my sober life and my language life, there's another similarity between these two paths that I couldn't have anticipated, but that's been very beneficial for me in both of these journeys. When I decided to give up alcohol, I said from the beginning that this was for the foreseeable future. Though deep down I knew I really wanted and needed to give up alcohol for the rest of my life, that seemed way too far down the road as to be completely unimaginable. Even thinking about not drinking alcohol for one year or one month felt absolutely unattainable to the point where it seemed easier to just give up and keep drinking because I was probably going to fail at this anyway. Sound familiar? How many times had I looked ahead at everything I didn't yet understand in Italian and realized there's just too much left to learn? Or I had set goals so big that the end was too far away to really imagine, to really believe that I could make it. Giving up would definitely be easier, and even if I didn't give up, doubt cast a constant shadow over the entire journey. I'm sure you've heard the phrase, one day at a time, and it's something that people recovering from addiction cling to. And to be honest, sometimes a single day feels too long, especially in the first weeks and months without drinking. When it came to living my life as a non-alcohol drinker, many, many times I found myself just taking it one social event at a time, one meal at a time, or even one minute at a time. This was survival mode. But then one minute would turn to two. Two would become ten. And next thing I knew, I was at the end of the day still sober. And you can bet that I celebrated those days and every minute I had succeeded. Slowly over time, it grew to another month without alcohol. And finally, a year. Now I'm at three years and it's to the point where time feels like it's flying by. There are still moments when a drink is tempting or I'm feeling such heavy emotions that I just want to escape. But if I go back to the concept of taking it one minute at a time, I make it through and add more time to my sober life. So hopefully you can see where this really parallels language learning. 
A couple weeks ago, I talked about the fact that I have no annual or even long-term language goals, even though I do have big language ambitions. And it all comes down to the existence of an ending, a finish line, or in my case, lack thereof. In sobriety, there is no finish line, no amount of time where I want to say, okay, I did it. I was sober for X years and now I'm done. I completed it. And if I did set a goal of X number of years sober, that X would be so far in the future that I would stress about the sheer number of days between now and then. X years is so far away that it doesn't seem possible to get there. It's too much. So my sobriety is completely open-ended. Having a goal just doesn't make sense to me because in my mind, a goal is finite. It signals an end. But if I leave it open, there's possibility, optimism. I feel like I can breathe. And eventually, I look back on how far I've come one minute at a time, and it motivates me to keep doing what it takes to create the sober life that I desire. And it's the same with my languages. Yes, I want to reach an advanced level in Italian, but that's not a finish line for me, because after that, I'll still keep learning new things, even if in a completely different way. And if I create that end point for myself by making it a goal, it becomes very stressful to the point where I feel a pull to escape, avoid taking action because of the pressure I feel to succeed and the fear that I won't. And there's an immense gap between where I am and where I want to be. And I can't focus on one area of the language because I'm constantly reminded of all the other parts of the language that also need my focus. But if instead I take it one day at a time, one verb tense at a time, one word at a time, then the language feels possible and I can see the work turning into progress. Next thing I know, I'm understanding more. I can say more things in a fluent manner. I have a deep conversation without stressing about mistakes I made. And I can look back and say, wow, I couldn't do that a year ago. Look how far I've come. And the looking back on all that I've accomplished one word at a time motivates me to keep taking action toward creating a life where I speak Italian and I speak German, the language life that I desire. So sobriety and language learning for me must remain open-ended. They're both such long journeys that if I'm focused on that length, I get overwhelmed. I doubt myself and I freeze. I self-sabotage. But when I'm focused on just doing it one minute or one word at a time, one day or one verb tense at a time, that's when I keep moving forward and continue taking action that supports my desires for my future. And every so often, I can put my head up, turn around, and look back to see the summation of all those minutes and words. I can look back and see all the minutes and hours and days I successfully didn't drink. And I see a large span of three whole years that I did it. And now, three more years don't seem so big. I know I can do that again. And my future of open-ended sobriety is conceivable. Every so often, I put my head up and I can look back and see all the words and parts of speech and idioms and colloquialisms I successfully learned. And I see a large span of progress from knowing nothing in my languages to having long and meaningful conversations in them. And now, speaking Italian and speaking German don't seem so big. I know I can keep going, and my future of open-ended language acquisition is conceivable. This shift of mindset from focusing on an in-state goal to focusing on the actions that lead to results has been an absolutely critical part of my success to date in both sobriety and languages. 
As I've said in previous episodes, I know other language learners don't function in this way. Many of you may be incredibly motivated by goals. Maybe goals help you focus on the actions you need to take to reach them. And I definitely know sober people who are the same. An open-ended sober life feels too big, and they function better by setting annual or monthly sober goals in order to break it down into more manageable achievements. Whatever mindset works for your personality, desires, and the logic your brain makes of it all, that's what matters. And I'll take a moment to further highlight the value of noticing the little gains and wins along the way, for me, in both sobriety and language learning. Whether the smaller wins are noticed by setting smaller goals or just by doing the thing and then looking back at how far we've come, the whole one-day-at-a-time mantra works because it breaks down an undefinable future into the present, allowing us to recognize the success of each day or each word or each grammar topic. And you all know I'm a big fan of celebrating all the wins we have in language learning because I know from my experience giving up alcohol that one... Those little wins and increments of progress really add up over time. And two, if we recognize them and celebrate them, give ourselves some praise for our achievements, then we're more likely to keep going. So I won't harp on this too much more today because I talk about it in many other episodes, but one day at a time or one minute at a time when choosing to give up alcohol has translated so perfectly into my language life as one grammar point at a time, one conversation at a time, and sometimes one word at a time. Quite literally, I often have to stop the flow of my words in Italian in order to construct a more complicated sentence, word by word, in order to communicate what I want to say. Old Heidi would get completely flustered and embarrassed and just freeze, or in a conversation lesson, switch to English and jump over the work to get to what I want to say in Italian. But the Heidi who knows the value of one day at a time has the presence of mind and confidence to build this sentence one word at a time and then celebrate that experience, what I've learned, and how I'm gaining use of the language. Now, going back a second, I just said that old me would often switch to English and jump over the work required to build the sentence I wanted to say in Italian. So the next crossover between sobriety and sustainable language learning for me is doing the work. Not just the outer work of physically not drinking and literally studying, but also inner work. The very first day of sobriety for me, I found a sobriety blog by a woman named Holly Whitaker, who is now a published author, podcaster, and founder and CEO of Tempest Alcohol Recovery Program. But one thing I read in her blog that day that really stuck out to me was this. I don't want to just be a person who doesn't drink. I want to create a life that I don't want to escape from. This was the most powerful statement I used to ground me to a sober life, and I have absolutely used it in language learning and every other major life change I've wanted to make. I don't want to just be a person who doesn't drink. I want to create a life from which I don't want to escape. So I wanted to move away from escapism, which for me led to the heavy and frequent drinking, and instead live a life in which I wanted to actively participate. In languages, I don't want to just be a person who learns languages or just be a person who speaks Italian or German. I want to create a language life that I enjoy going to, a language life that ties me to friends and community. I want to learn languages without the freezing and the avoiding and the escaping. 
because for a long time, that's what I was doing. I wanted to learn Italian. I had the resources and time, but my tendency was to escape it because it was difficult. It was too big. Language learning for me was a space of self-doubt, a space where all of my shortcomings were out in the open, on display for everyone to see. In language learning, there was no place to hide from my imperfections and my vulnerabilities. Language learning brought out all of that. And escaping, trying to hide from the imperfections of my personality and who I am, was my go-to response. But I didn't want that anymore. And so doing the work to stop escaping was and still is the foundation of success in every area of my life. So what does this look like with respect to language learning? What does it mean to do inner work? soul searching and self-improvement when it comes to learning languages. When doing the inner work regarding escaping my life through alcohol, I started with counseling and journaling. Counseling allowed me to talk about my life, perspectives, relationships, feelings, expectations, boundaries, everything in a safe, judgment-free space. And of course, my counselor guided me on a path of learning how to deal with these things, to name them, discover where they come from, and figure out what I can do and what's out of my control to set my own healthy limitations and boundaries. Journaling for me was just as much reflective as it was a way to get my tangled up thoughts out of my brain, especially since I didn't have the time or money to meet with my counselor around the clock. When I felt that desire to drink and heard Malfoy telling me to do it, I would furiously, often angrily, journal out anything and everything that came to mind. It was rough. Lots of cussing on the paper and making accusations at people or circumstances that I saw tied to the negativity and insecurity that I felt. Sometimes ugly crying at my notebook or computer because of the raw emotions of the words exploding out of me. And this was always a very healing experience. Once I was done journaling, at a minimum, I felt lighter. Especially if I'd been crying or angrily banging away at the keyboard, the physical release of that tension that had been building up inside of me for years was freeing. I just needed to get the words out of me. And then later, when not in the depths of raw emotion, I could parse through the words and separate the facts from the feelings, the truths from the lies, and the Malfoy from myself. And I can definitely say that for me, this podcast is the equivalent of counseling and journaling for language learning. Most of my episodes start as an intense thought or feeling regarding my language learning history or something I'm facing that's triggering feelings of doubt and insecurity. I'll stop and make some notes in my phone or at my computer, and once the words are out of my head, I can go back later and parse through them to discover my truths. I'm writing for the show, yes, but most of these episodes could equate to a journal entry where I'm facing my inner struggles and releasing the heavy burden of stress and pressure that have been building up inside of me for years. Talking about these things in a public way is like counseling. I feel safe talking about my problems here. I feel safe sharing them in my circles of the language community online, and oftentimes they result in messages from listeners sharing their experiences, and we talk about what's worked for us, what hasn't, or just acknowledge that we have similar struggles, even if we don't know what to do with those things yet. And this language learning, journaling, and counseling, I'll call it, has been wonderful for my language learning as a whole because it's helping me to let go of things I can't control, learn to appreciate and value the uniqueness of me, and create a language life from which I never want to escape. 
Of course, I'm not necessarily saying everyone should publicly talk about their language struggles because I know it isn't for everyone, but just getting our thoughts out can help us do whatever inner work is necessary for discovering our true wants and desires, how we function, what causes our doubts and negative thoughts, and uncover ways for dealing with all of that in order to create a joyful learning experience and a joyful bond with our languages and all the resulting friendships. And I can say too that finding a language teacher, tutor, or exchange partner who's open to talking about these things is really, really helpful. I share a lot of my language struggles and perfectionism and stuff, the things I talk about on this show, with my Italian teachers in Italian. And there's just something therapeutic about sharing these things in another language. I mean, for one, the fact that I can work out these deep parts of me in Italian is in and of itself a major accomplishment and proves that I've made tremendous progress in the language. It's also motivating for me for continuing to practice past tenses, subjunctive tense, conditionals, and reflexive verbs. And it's also just one step removed from the link between my negative thoughts and English, the language in which I spoke those thoughts. Talking about my history and experience wallowing in negativity in a different language doesn't bring up the same level of raw emotion or re-triggering that can happen when I talk about them in English. It's a very neat experience to do this inner work that supports a healthy language journey in one of the languages I'm learning. I absolutely love it. And really, the other tools I've mentioned today, giving my negative voice a name, identifying or moving away from my triggers, and taking things one small piece at a time all support this inner work toward a more joyful language life, sober life, and any other sections of my life that I want to work on and cultivate in a more positive way. Any tools or methods we have for confronting one frustrating or undesirable aspect of our lives can be used in other areas as well, and I don't believe it serves us to work on the various parts of our lives individually. Because as my friend Emily Richardson says, you are a whole person, and I believe we can find the most joy in our life's journeys if we consider that our journeys never stand alone as exclusive pathways because they belong to a whole person. So I think this is a good place to wrap things up for this episode. I feel so much joy today in being at a point where I can talk about these things, where I can really open up about my sobriety and put words to the perspectives I had myself as a language learner that amplified my negative spiral toward addiction and escapism. These two paths in my life are so interconnected because of the time frame and intensity of that downward spiral marked by feelings of self-loathing, failure, and not being good enough, and all the harmful lies I told myself and believed about myself. Y'all, I am so proud of myself today, but this isn't a pinnacle of my sober journey or language journey. I can share these thoughts of what's worked for me in both of these lanes, but I don't claim to have it all figured out. Sobriety and language learning are open-ended adventures for me, and I'm going to adapt how I do things as many times as I need just to keep moving forward in the most joyful way I can. Now, like I said in the beginning, I'm not here to try and convince anyone to give up drinking, but I would be remiss if I didn't share encouragement and resources for any listeners who've been thinking about giving up alcohol or reconsidering their relationship with alcohol, questioning how and why it shows up in their lives, or anyone who's just sober curious and wants to give it a try to see how it affects their mentality, clarity, energy, health, or whatever. So I will leave links in the show notes to all the resources I know of to support sobriety and recovery from addiction in general. When I post this episode on Instagram, I'll also tag some accounts you can check out and follow. And of course, my DMs are open to anyone who needs a safe, judgment-free space to pour out their thoughts and fears about their relationship with alcohol. 
Thank you all so much for listening today, for being respectful listeners who make me feel comfortable sharing these uglier parts of my story, and for bearing with me as I work out all the intersections of my life that cross over with language learning. You all are fabulous. Have a wonderful and joyful week. Share your language learning wins with me for that season finale. And until next time, ciao.